Want to know how to take your home from lacklustre to blockbuster? Need to know the latest interior design trends? Then you'll be right at home with the Find It, Style It podcast. Hosted by Lauren Keenan, where we show you how easy it is to create beautiful spaces and turn your house into a home you'll love. Find it, style it. Shake it! Hey guys, thanks for listening today to the Find It, Style It podcast and this series which is all about adventures in renovating for profit. So this is a series for everyone, whether you're looking just to update your home or invest in a project or maybe even a total redevelopment. In this episode, we talk money. Look, loans are getting harder to get, but to me as a broker, being in the industry for 35 years, I'm, I'm now seeing banks trying to decline a loan rather than approve a loan. That's how hard it's getting. Now, financing your renovation project is a big hurdle to get over, and if it's a total makeover or a knockdown rebuild, which um, you've been involved in a couple of times, you're probably going to need a lot of cash, and that cash is getting so much harder to come by. We know this from our own experience. In this episode, we're going to talk about why it's getting harder to get finance for investment properties and what you need to know to get a loan and the value of a really good advisor like a trusted mortgage broker who can help guide you through the lending process. You're listening to the Find It, Style It podcast with Lauren Keenan. Oh, it's a good day for podcasting. It's always a good day for podcasting, isn't it? Yeah, but it's better when I'm podcasting (laughs) with you. Hey, podcasters. I am Lauren Keenan. I'm an interior designer and stylist. And I'm Scott Keenan, the other half and the co-driver on this podcast. It's great to be with you today. Um, we're really excited about this next episode. It's episode four in the Find It Style It podcast in this series on renovating for profit, and it's all about money. We should put that money, money, money song in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll see what I can do. Bit of post-production. We've done our own renovation for profit. We bought a little investment property down in uh, in the Illawarra on New South Wales south coast. Yep, we talked about that in earlier episodes of this season. We have, and um, that's really the reason why we wanted to do this series of the podcast, just to help educate our listeners and, and talk about about our journey, our renovation journey, and share all the tips and even the mistakes that we made along the way. Yeah, people have asked us a bit about that um, along the way, and we thought if we had a look at some of the questions that you should ask yourself when you're doing your project, it'd be pretty cool because you sort of you'd have a bit of a kit bag to to go through your project and know what are the things I've got to tick off. What do I need to ask Just myself? Refer back to to make sure you're on track. Exactly, and money is one of the most important things when you are, are doing one of these projects and getting finance specifically. It's hard. It's a big hurdle, as I said at the start, and it's um, something that you need to wrap your head around before you get into uh, into your renovation project. So we've got an expert in this episode, haven't we, Scotty, that you went out and had a chat with? Yeah, our mate Why don't Steve- you announce who it is? <laughs> um, our uh, expert in this episode is Stephen Lem, who is a good mate of ours. Uh, he's the principal at Mortgage Choice in Neutral Bay in Sydney's north, and he's been in the game a long time. And in fact, he's been our trusted advisor for a long time as well. He has. He helped us actually buy our first house back in 2011. It feels like a lifetime ago now, yeah, and I think the landscape has changed a lot, and he's helped us a couple of times since then. Um, buying and selling properties as well. So great guy and lots of great information I'm sure he's going to share with us today. Yeah, we are lucky to have him with us um, to share a few tips with you. And look, even if you're not buying right now, it's always good to hear about how this stuff changes. Uh, New rules come in all of the time and how those rules might apply to you in the future. Like I said, we got our first mortgage back in 2011 and it was quite a nerve-wracking experience as a first-timer, wasn't it? Yeah, how how did you find it? 
Well, I think because my parents have always lived in the same house and also your parents have only moved once or twice in their married life, we've yep. never really been, even as kids, through the experience of having to buy or sell a house. And so as, you know, 30-year-olds, it, it was <laughs> quite challenging to wrap your head around everything that needed to be done. Yeah, I think when you do it for the first time, it is um, a really big eye-opener about the in-depth detail that um, that banks and, and lenders need to get into about your personal life and, and how much you need to sort of show and justify why that money should be lent to you. And it's not even, I think, about just being able to fill out a form. It's all the background stuff. It's all the toing and froing that's required in order to get a loan processed and approved and the terminology. to get you the actual money in your bank account to, yeah, to make the purchase. Absolutely. And also the types of loans too. Like uh, I think it's important to, to do your research on the different types of loans and the lending process. Try and get as much information as you can about how all of that works so that you can really be uh, in a good position and prepared for that process process when you get stuck into it because there's a lot of steps between when you go to a mortgage broker or a bank and say, can I have some money? And then when the money lands in your, in your uh, bank account, if you get approved. That's right. And now having been through it a couple of times or three times, actually, it's it's still stressful, right? Like no, it doesn't- 100%. Because invariably something always goes a little bit wrong that you have to kind of get back on track. But once you know what to expect, you know that it will work out and it's about having the right people around you to help you. Being organized is a really important one, making sure that the information that the bank asks for you is provided, that you provide it together. Get it yeah, get it pronto, that you label it correctly, that the photocopies of the various... A good quality, just, you know, 101, basically. Yep. More than 101. They sound like basic things, but actually it's really important. And, you know, one of the things that we'll talk about later in the series is about setting a budget and sticking to it. And, of course, a big part of that is going to be based on how much money you're able to either save or borrow for your investment property. That's right. Well, I mean, regular savings are key, aren't they? That's that's one of the biggest things when you're trying to get property under your belt is making sure you have those regular savings because that's a big part of what the bank wants to see, genuine savings, regular savings. Because there's a couple of ways that you can, of course, um, fund a an investment. It might be through uh, existing equity in another property, but a lot of the time um, as well, it's through genuine savings. And so, yeah, like you say, you want to be able to show that you can um, week by week add to that tally and that you're able to, to reach that uh, you know magic amount that you're aiming for. And I think it's not even good enough to, you know, to see a big lump sum um, deposited in your bank account. They want to know where that came from and, you know, how, you know, what's your track record, basically? Are you going to be able to make regular mortgage repayments? Because if you can save regularly, you've got a better chance of paying the mortgage off. So, so I think one, one of the, the really good things you can do is um, setting your savings aside in a totally separate account. You get paid, whether it's fortnightly, monthly, and whatever your portion, whatever money you're setting aside for savings, just transfer that straight away. I think the mistake some people make is they save what's left over. The tendency there is to just, well, if you've had a big month, you've just spent all your money and you're not saved anything. Whereas if you transfer the money as soon as you get paid, then that is your savings portion. So like doing a project budget, do a household budget, work out what all your outgoings look like and work out where you can maybe trim back some of those things and and actually apportion an amount in your budget to savings. So it, in your mind, it's almost like an expense. And when the money goes into that other account, you don't miss it because you've planned for it to be gone. And I think there are still some online accounts around that do give you um, a good interest rate, not as much as you used to get, but you know you can still get a little bit of extra and you want your money working for you where possible. Yeah, and this is something that I think a lot of people still aren't savvy to and it always surprises me when I talk to um, you know friends or colleagues and that is that you can get access to online accounts now um, with banks and you have been able to for some time, but some banks specialize in them, um, ING for one. 
where basically you can have access to all of your cash all of the time um, and you can transfer it straight back into a, a working everyday account but it can be sitting in this special online account with high interest rates, um, up to 3%, earning much more than what you could get in a standard everyday account. And it is worth shopping around. Get the best rate that you can and make sure that the money is accessible so that it's working for you all the time. But if you need it, any of that cash, you can get access to it quickly without losing the the, um, interest benefit that you're gaining by having it in that account. And it is really actually quite amazing how quickly it does start to work for you because when you're saving for a property, we're not talking talking like $100 here, you, you know, you, you're building up thousands of dollars for this deposit for your project. When you apply the higher interest rate to those larger amounts, you really start to see the benefit. And when you think over the course of a couple of years of saving, that, that could be, you know, doing all the lighting in your property or um, refreshing the bathroom. Like it's probably going to be a couple of thousand dollars depending on how much um, savings you've got. At least. And it's the beauty of compounding interest. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. It shouldn't be forgotten. And I reckon it's also important if you're adding to it regularly and you're meeting milestones celebrate those milestones along the way you know high five one another when you uh, when you hit a certain um, mark it might be your halfway point uh, that you're trying to reach towards that that total goal and and celebrate those little wins because that's what will motivate you to keep you going towards reaching your financial goal subscribe for exclusive perks and insider tips at findatstyleit.com.au so as Stephen said off the bat it is getting way harder to get a loan and not just investment loans or you know interest only loans although that is getting much much harder and there are much fewer of those in the market and that's because the banking regulator is is getting a lot tougher on the banks uh, because they're concerned about the level of debt that Australia Australian households are carrying, generally speaking, and they're also worried about the rising um, price of housing stock, uh, particularly in the capitals. So, Scott, I know um, you spoke to Stephen about this, and, and he really does think that the banks are getting much more interested in how we all spend our money. So, basically, the banks are becoming real nosy parkers. They want to know even more about us and how we spend our money before they even think about approving a loan. Lenders are now literally starting to ask for your last two months' credit card statements and your last two months' savings history. What they're looking for is um, undisclosed debts is the first one. That's the biggest one. But secondly, they're looking at, you're right, line by line, they're going through and saying, well, you spent 165 on maybe your strata or 190 or $200 on, on your council rates. And then, for example, things like dining out, etc., etc., which we would call discretionary spending. Mm-hmm. But if you're a single applicant and you declare $2,000 a month in expenditure, which is outside your mortgage repayment, you know, your day-to-day living costs, and it looks like you're spending four or five grand a month in your, in your expenditure, through those statements and they will ask a question because they've got to make sure because APRA's put a lot of pressure on them to make sure we can afford what we borrow and don't overextend ourselves. So like Stephen says, you've got to think about your saving and your spending habits. I reckon well in advance, Lauren. Um, you know, you've got to tighten things up even before you go looking for a loan. It almost, it's almost like you need to do a little financial detox when you even start thinking about um, you know, purchasing a property. That's Maybe, a good way to look at it. Yeah. Maybe knocking off some of your coffees, you know, alcohol. Having a good rap sheet, basically, when they look at your uh, credit card statement, you look like the absolute model citizen. <laughs> Eat at home, don't buy clothes, basically no life, but excellent saver. 
I like the sound of that. And of course, you want to save at least 20% plus your costs. And that was advice from Stephen when I spoke to him. And this is because, you know, you have to avoid, if you can, paying mortgage lenders insurance. Um, that's one reason anyway, which kicks in when banks are lending more than 80% of the value of the property, which, as I said, is an added oh, cost. And, and you- that feels like just throwing money down the drain, doesn't it? Well, just like stamp duty. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but. Which is a bit depressing, but banks are requiring bigger deposits. And that's, as I said earlier, funded either through cash or equity in an existing property that you may have. 20% is really a good number to pitch for, um, for a number of reasons. Like I said, you know, obviously trying to avoid mortgage lenders insurance, but even just getting the loan, that's what banks are looking for. So it's a good place to start. And 20% is, you know, that's really hard for a lot of people to, to say oh gosh, 20%. It's so much. I mean, if you're talking Sydney or Melbourne or maybe even Brisbane, you know, that's, you can imagine why it's so difficult for people who are new to the market to purchase a property these days. While it is tough, um, these rules are in place for a reason. Of course. Uh, it's to moderate our economy and it's to make sure that people who are, um, are who borrowing and who are investing can, can afford it. So it is challenging, but those rules are there for a reason. You're listening to the Find It, Style It podcast with Lauren Keenan. So when you get your 20% deposit and you go and talk to somebody about it, you know, you need to know what type of loan you want to ask for. And here's Stephen's summary on the, I guess, the two key types of loans that you need to know about if you're looking to renovate for profit. The main difference now, Scott, going back about 18 months, you could have, and back into the late 80s, early 90s, banks used to charge a margin, which means they'd add an interest rate uh, loading compared to if it was investment or if it was owner-occupied. So if you're living in the property, which we call owner-occupied, then you're getting the, the smartest, cheapest rates you can get at the lowest common denominator that you can get. If it's for investment, another one of APRA's rulings going back just on 12 months ago was that to slow the market in investment lending and to curb um, expenditure, they've now made banks load the rate accordingly. So, for example, a mid-range, what I call a sexy rate for an owner-occupier would be, you know, your 3738, say 3.9, under 4%. An investment loan, uh, anywhere between 4.7 to 5.5, depending on the lender at this stage. So you can see the difference between the pricing. And that, what we call pricing, the interest rate you pay, is determined by whether you're paying interest only or whether you're paying principal and interest. So if you're paying interest only, you'll pay a higher rate. If you're paying principal interest, you'll pay a lower rate. And so they're effectively pricing risk into um, into the mortgage. Correct. Because the risk it, that you might not have tenants, the risk that you default on your loan or that you know start to struggle with the, the repayments because of costs um, at the property. And also from the bank's point of view, they've got to hold $4 for every dollar you lend, that lend due. So to them to hold that cost, as if it's interest only, that costs them more, they pass that back on to us as borrowers. You know, I reckon that's a real eye-opener because when you hear bank and lenders you know, promote the rates that they have for um, for mortgages. They don't really sort of talk about how much an investment loan might be or how much it would cost you if you are a, uh, an owner-occupier. They really just say, hey, we've got this great rate. Come and talk to us. Yeah, and it's not until you start investigating and realise which one is applicable to your circumstances that you, know, you, you get the true rate. And I think that's, again, why it's, I think, so important to use a mortgage broker because... They have the inside knowledge. They do this every day. They do it hundreds of times a year. And, you know, if you're only doing it once or twice, three times in the course of your life, well, you know, you're not going to have that same experience as them. So, you know, I think it's 
I think it's crucial to use a mortgage broker. And not to say that you won't get a good experience or a good rate if you go directly to a bank, but you've got to remember that the, the lender at the bank is working for the bank. Um, and the mortgage broker is more inclined to work for you. You're the client, and so they want to get you a great rate. They want to get you into a loan. You know, you could go either way. We've had a great experience with Stephen. And, um, and, and there are lots of good mortgage brokers out there as well that do great work. And I'm sure there are lots of great lenders who work inside banks, but it's a, you know this is a personal decision that you need to make for yourself. Um, to ensure that you're going to get the best deal. Uh, I think when talking about deals as well is, you know, uh, mortgage brokers can help you shop around. It's really time consuming to understand the deals out there and they they do that for a job. Um, they're constantly looking at rates and uh, the rules around each of the different loans. And so asking them for the options, you know, helps save a lot of time and money for you. And I think as well, obviously, you know, the main thing is you, you're trying to get the cheapest finance that you possibly can, but you can also give your mortgage broker a bit of a brief you know maybe you would like there to be certain features of the loan that some lenders provide and others don't maybe you want an offset account or maybe you want to have a credit card associated with the loan so because not all lenders not will offer that, all of those offer things that. that's yeah. right so if you can talk to your mortgage broker about the things that are important to you in the loan as well as it being the best possible rate you know you're going to get a better outcome one of the things that shocked me when i spoke to Stephen was that the big banks have 82 percent of the market but he reckons it's still worth shopping around and that amongst the big banks but also amongst the smaller lenders there are deals to be had and it is worth shopping around i don't know if you remember our first mortgage was with a smaller lender they were a queensland based uh building society i think yes and um back in 2011 and yeah they were they were a much smaller business and had had their quirks, let's just say, but it was it was you know well financed and uh, had some good features that we certainly took advantage of. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think you know they can offer lower rates. They don't always offer um, you know great online services, for example, which the bigger banks are much better organised to do, which is great. Every lender is going to have their pros and cons. So you need to have a think about those um, when you're looking to get your loan organised. Find out what's trending. Search Find It Style It on your socials. So did you and Stephen talk about what happens when? you get to the end of sort of a, um, a period, a loan period, and, and what happens with your mortgage after that? Yeah, I did talk to Stephen about that. And really interestingly, you know, he talked to me about um, and even asked me, when when are we going to come in for a, a loan rate review? Because it's a service that brokers offer and he also recommends, even if you've just got a, a loan with a bank, to ask them during the period of your, if, for example, it's a fixed rate loan for three years, 18 months in, ask the bank, can you do better, guys? Because if you don't, I might be interested in going somewhere else. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because, I don't know, you kind of see the banks as these these untouchable guys. You know, there's these huge corporations. But if you went and bought some furniture down the road, you'd definitely ask for the best deal you could possibly get. And if they didn't give it to you, you go to the next shop and get the price. So and why don't we ask for it when it comes to this huge debt that we're carrying? Yeah, and there's a, a finite market. And, you know, as I said earlier, the banks, uh, the big banks in particular, have a large share, but they want to maintain their, their share of the market. It's in their interest to do that. And a lot of the time, they'll put their effort into new business uh, rather than retaining business. And Stephen told me a really interesting story mm. about how one of his clients was pretty well done over by a bank that, that they were with, an existing client um, who wanted to get a better deal. Now, I did my rate review and I came back to the client and I went to the bank, but I'll tell you what the rate they were given. It was 3.97% variable under a packaged loan, principal and interest. It's not bad. They've been there 20 years. That's a million dollar loan. 
I said to the client, he's not happy. I said, well, why don't we come in and have a chat and we'll ring the bank together and we'll say that we're going to look at, you know, we want, want them to retain your business. So we rang the bank together yesterday at 9 o'clock and lo and behold, the rate wasn't bettered and we were gobsmacked. Wow. To say, well, you know, I've been here 20 years, it's a million-dollar loan. It's not a small loan. Yeah. And as you know, it's it's harder, it's easier to retain clients than it is to get them. It costs you three times as more in cost to, to get a client to a bank than it is to retain them. Now, if that client had gone from that bank and comes back, they'll treat him as a new customer, yep. and I'll get him 3.72. Wow. So there's nearly a quarter percent difference in rate, but they wouldn't want to keep him. So they've now lost that client. We're going to another lender as of today. One of the smaller lenders? Yeah. So that's pretty incredible. Wow. And there is a lesson in that for all of us, uh, and I think that is to- Loyalty is dead. <laughs> Loyalty is dead and shop around. Subscribe for exclusive perks and insider tips at findatstylet.com.au. Even though we've done this a few times now, I do actually feel like I've really learned a lot today and it's good to brush up on that information about finance and loans and mortgages. So it was so good to hear from Stephen. Yeah, no matter how many times you've done it, it is great to talk about it, to, to refresh. We've said it and we'll say it again. A good mortgage broker is worth their weight in gold and they will make your life a hell of a lot easier. So um, my thanks to Stephen. I certainly recommend him and you know we'll link to him on our website and in the show notes and we had an awesome chat with him with lots of great info and there's a um, lot more that we weren't able to play today wasn't there yeah so I think um, because he's such an interesting guy and it is um, such useful information in the next couple of weeks I'll release the the full interview as a special podcast so you can have a listen to it in full if you are uh, looking at investing in property of any type or even if you're thinking about renovating for profit project it'd be a really useful listen bonus material yes Exactly. That's bang for buck. That's value right there. <laughs> um, so just remember that this is general information and not personal advice. If you're interested in making an investment, um, please seek the advice of a professional who can help you specific to your personal needs. Yeah. Now, that is the fourth episode in this series of Renovating for Profit. And if you've missed any of the other episodes from episode zero um, through to four, you can go back and have a listen through your fave podcast app and tell us what you think. You can leave a comment on iTunes. You can hit me up on the socials or you can even email me, lauren at finditstylet.com.au. Yeah, if you've got any questions about renovating for profit that you'd like us to answer, we'll do that later in the series because you know, we've had some good feedback about the, uh, the series so far and we're going to answer some of those questions later in the series. So get yours in now, lauren at finditstylet.com.au is the email address. So we're going to have a bit of a mid-season break now, aren't we, Scotty? Oh, I'm feeling relaxed already. Are we going on holidays? Well, we yeah, yeah. Funny yeah. you mentioned that. <laughs> but we will be back uh, with more episodes a little later in the year. Yeah. Episode um, six coming up will be about um, how to build a budget for innovation success. Episode seven is uh, why asking for help is the smartest thing you can do. And finally, we'll have a look at you know what it takes to either sell or rent your property once your innovation is done. And I've got a another great Scotty's our roving reporter. <laughs> We've got another great expert. Harking back to my journalistic days. Yeah. No. <laughs> I had a great chat with um, with a, a really interesting guy who's been selling property for a long time and he's got some really good tips to share. Excellent. So like we said, we are going travelling and uh, you can keep up to date with us on our travels, on our socials if you're interested. I'm at travellingman underscore au. And I am at Lauren Keenan Home. They're both on Instagram. Oh, jinx. <laughs> <laughs> and um, where, well, where are we going? Remind me. We're going to Italy. Italia, baby. Should I order up some pizzas now? And I'll have an Aperol spritz, please. Yeah, make that two. 
And we'll be back soon with more episodes of the Find It Style podcast. So thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. And we'll catch you soon. Bye. Follow Lauren on your socials for latest style trends and tips. Just search Find It, Style It and subscribe now for exclusive perks, discounts and updates about store openings straight into your inbox. Go to finditstyleit.com.au.